This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. This is Reverend Jay Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Through our dialogue together on this platform, we, we aim to draw relevancy from the biblical text and clarity to our own religious experience. So we invite guests to join in and, and share their sacred stories with us. Today we are continuing our series at, uh, with, as an introduction to biblical thought, and we'll be looking at the letter to the Romans or the epistle to the Romans. And we hold the authorship of this letter as being attributed to the Apostle Paul. And, and in this letter, we'll find themes of salvation, the righteousness of God. And one of my favorite topics is justification by faith and sanctification through the Holy Spirit. Now, I've got a guest coming on in just a minute, but I would like to say this. The, the, uh, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul in, in somewhere around AD 56, 57, while Paul was in Corinth. And it was probably written during Paul's third missionary journey, right before he was planning to return to Jerusalem. His plans were to go to Rome on his way to Spain. So he writes this letter with those intentions in mind. The letter is addressed to Christian converts living in Rome. Um, Although there was a Christian church in Rome at the time, it's not sure to have been officially founded by Paul. Most likely the church had been started by other missionaries and consisted both of Jewish and Gentile converts. Now the, the message in the book of Romans has astonished people throughout history. Scholars have marveled at the spiritual depths of the message presented in this letter by Paul. Martin Luther's world as he knew it changed after he studied the Book of Romans and the Protestant Reformation erupted once the teachings on the Book of Romans were made available to the public. Lives were changed with a message of hope, justification, and righteousness, not of works, but of grace. One major theme is repeatedly made clear throughout this letter, that there is no Christianity with Jesus Christ. He is the center and he is the answer. He is the one who came to save. And to believe in him and to place our faith in him are the keys to our freedom from sin and its bondage. So recurring themes run through major sections of the book. Paul makes a clear distinction between the law and grace. It's faith that justifies us. It's faith that saves us. And, and faith is what we stand on. So let me bring in our guest today and let's just look at some of this letter to the Romans. Reverend Jay Stewart, it's such a blessing and an honor to hear from you and thank you for the invite. How are you doing today, my friend? I am doing well, Daquan. Thank you for so much for um, coming in. Um, we're going to be looking at some of the um, passages in this book, the letter of, to the Romans. Um, and again, this is an introductory level conversation. Um, and there may be some unfamiliar theological terms that arise. And we will certainly, Daquan and myself, we will do a, uh, our best effort to explain some of these, um, some of these um, theological terms that we may encounter. 
I mean, Jesus revealed himself in the Gospels and, and, and Paul uh, kind of tells us how it all works. So, um, yes. Daquan, I wanted to, um, if we could just start out with the very first, uh, in the first chapter of the book of Romans, there's so much that I think is worthy to think about in, um, the, in Paul's introduction. Um, from the first verse of the first chapter um, down to the sixth verse. So, um, do, you, do you have a Bible there with you, Daquan? Yes, sir, we do. Okay, so it starts out very interestingly. It starts out with Paul identifying himself. And remember from our previous conversations that Paul was once known as Saul, who used to... <laughs> used to arrest and bring Christians to possible death, right? And now the same Paul, after his his uh, experience on the road to Damascus, and we talked about that last week, um, now he's identifying himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. Not only a servant, but, but called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel. Yes. Yes, indeed. And what's so interesting about the Book of Romans, uh, my dear brother, is that the Book of Romans is one of the most interesting books in all the New Testament. Because what I've discovered here in the Book of Romans is that Paul was writing to a church within an empire that was one of the most wickedest, one of the most vile empires of all the New Testament era. Because remember, when you open the pages of the New Testament, you'll discover that Rome was ruling the world. Rome was one of the most mightiest empires in the ancient Near East. And in fact, Rome was very bloodthirsty in which they were saying, if you don't cooperate with the Roman government, if you do not cooperate or obey Caesar, there's going to be consequences that you will have to meet. Now, remember this, and let's drop some history in real quick. When you open the New Testament, you'll discover 400 years of silence had passed. Many times people have called it the intertestamental period. It was a period of silence in which a transition had occurred. During that time, the Greeks had conquered the Persian Empire and Greece was conquered by Rome. And by the time you enter into the New Testament, Rome was ruling the world. And Rome had different laws, different sets, different changes that they brought about. So what they would do is deify the body. And that's why you see on many documentaries or if you ever visited a museum or saw an ancient painting of Rome, you'll discover that they always had naked statues of people, of men or women, because they would glorify the body. They would honor and deify the body and to making it is like a place of worship. Idolatry was running rampant throughout Rome as well, in which the influence of the Greek and the Roman gods had still played a major part. Not only that, but they were also worshiping the nature and the creation that was all around them. Roman military control, the relative peace. And Reverend J. Stewart, I don't know if he's taken history on this before, but um, you probably have heard of the Pax Romana. Uh, the Roman peace, in which if you want peace, they're saying you got to cooperate with us. You got to deal with what we are dealing with. And then also as well, legal documents were written in Latin. And so the problem that 
the church at Rome was facing is that there were some Christians that were chameleon, chameleon type Christians in which they were trying, they were blending in with the society around them, but not many people realized that they were Christians. And so the book of Romans is Hold on one second, Daquan. (laughs) I have to laugh on that one because it reminds me of today. (laughs) Go ahead, my brother. Yes, sir. I mean, and Reverend Jay Stewart, I, I, and you probably have witnessed it too in the world today. Um, when you look at a chameleon, you see how when it lays on top of a leaf, it changes its color to green. And you can't even see the chameleon because it's blending in with the society around them in the same way in the Christian world. You have many who claim Christ, but they're trying to blend in with the culture all around them, uh, trying to fit in with its pattern and its values and lifestyles. And many people around them don't even realize that they are Christians. And so Paul would take time out of his schedule while he is on his missionary trip to write to the book of Romans. Now, with the book of Romans, there are so many things that we need to understand. And like you were saying, there's the theme of salvation in which he was reminded them, you are not saved because of your good works. You're not saved because you're a good person. No, you receive salvation when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When you said yes to his work, when you said yes to his atoning work, he has not only forgiven you of your sins, but he has given you salvation. He has given you freedom as well from sin. The next theme is the theme of righteousness. And you'll see for example, the faith of Abraham, when he deals with the emphasis of righteousness, he'll talk about the faith of Abraham, how Abraham believed God and it was counted unto God for righteousness. And the greatest thing I like about that story is that it teaches us the fact that Abraham didn't get saved because he was a good person. Abraham didn't get saved because he made so many sacrifices unto the Lord. Abraham didn't get saved because he always quote the Psalms or sing praises. No, it says that he believed God. He placed his faith and trust in God. And the term righteousness means to be in right standing with God. And now we have the Amen. 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 To that. Yes. But you know, right before right before you get to that um, story about Abraham being justified by faith, in the third chapter, there's where uh, is where some of this um, language comes up that I really want to spend a few minutes. And and Daquan, again, you know, I'm, I apologize. I forgot to reset my time. I should have just said it for an hour. But I haven't no, said it. I haven't said it like ten minutes. So come on back in when you need to. So, so now there's a um, there's in the third chapter of Romans, and for somebody who never read this, or and if you hear these words, we need to talk about them just a little bit. It says that there's a, a but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testified. This righteousness comes from God. Come, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference, and here's the indictment against humanity: for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody, there's none that are righteous, there's no, not one. But the good news, it says that uh, all fall short, but they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So here's two words, justified, Mm -hmm. justified and redemption. And then it's followed by this. It says the redemption that came through Christ Jesus and God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement, right? 
So there's another word that the first time reader or hearer would, I would like to introduce them to these terms. So, so far we had justified, uh, redemption, we have grace, uh, grace, justified, redemption, and atonement. So, so, um, Daquan, when you, when you do come in, let's just talk about those words for a little while, um, probably starting with um, sin. Okay, we can add that one to the list. And um, sin is really missing the mark. Sin is being, you know, the Bible tells us that we're all born in sin and that we're in need of a savior. It's an indictment against humanity and, and it's been proven throughout time. So, <clears throat> but the good news is that there is an answer. And that answer is in Jesus Christ. And that's that, that's at the core of our um, thinking in the Christian faith tradition. Good news that sin, which is missing the mark or, or, or being outside of a right relationship with God, can be that problem can be corrected. And we are justified um, freely by his grace. That's what the Bible says. So grace is something that you don't deserve, something that you don't earn, and something that you can't purchase or negotiate. Grace is a gift. It's the gift of God because that's who God is. He is gracious and he's merciful. So, Daquan, I'm waiting for you to come on back in. And we want to talk about this word. Um, okay, so we said that that there there is sin and, and all of humanity is guilty of sin. But the good news is that we can be justified freely by his grace. So if we want to talk about justification for somebody who's never heard this word, how can we describe that? Okay, um, that's a good question. Um, in fact, when you look at the term justification, let's think of this analogy for a moment. Let's think of it in this term and in this way. If you are familiar with like court shows or if you've ever stood in front of a judge, Amen. this is how they usually do it. And I think this is going to be the perfect understanding of what justification is really all about. Imagine that a person has committed a crime and is caught committing that crime. He or she later stands before a judge in a court of law. While standing before the judge, the sentence comes down to having a guilty verdict. The consequences for the crime would consist of paying a fine, community service, or possibly jail time. But here's the interesting thing. Imagine if the judge arose from his seat, took off his robe, and says this, I'm going to pay your fine, I'll do your community service, and I'm doing your jail time because I love you, and I want to see you go free, and I want the best for you. So that is what justification is really all about. It means de to be declared not guilty, as though you never sinned a day in your life. Amen. And the greatest thing, yes, and the greatest thing I like about this concept is when God sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross for our sins, salvation was made available to each and every single one of us. You see, we didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. It was given to us on the basis of faith. It is given to us as a free gift. But the problem is, Reverend J. Stewart, not many people understand, especially in the church world, what the concept of justification is really 
all about. Because many times you have people sitting around with guilt and shame thinking that God can't forgive them, God can't love them, God won't redeem them or give them a second chance in life. And I want to ask you, Reverend Jay Stewart, mm-hmm. as a chaplain on the college campuses, uh, when you teach these truths to young people, to young students out there, uh, how do they get a better understanding of justification? Has there ever been a time in which they came up to you and said, I didn't think this to be true, that it can be spoken to in my life, that he can forgive me and give me a second chance in life? Well, this is a, this is certainly a wonderful question, and it's a, it's a, a reality in the lives of young adults today. First of all, I, um, I believe that there are many who have a hard time accepting the fact that God will actually forgive even the most vile of sinner. Um, so they, they, so they look at me and I give them a little bit of my background before I, you know, before I trusted in God. And they say, well, how can someone, you know, who had that kind of history um, now be a minister of the gospel? And so they have a hard time accept, accepting that. And I think one of the reasons why we have a hard time accepting that is because, you know, it involves the topic of forgiveness. And if we can't, we can't, God's forgiveness is beyond, beyond our comprehension. It's, it's beyond our um, intellectual ability to comprehend and accept. We can't even forgive ourselves Um, much less forgive somebody else. And I'd like to return to that courtroom scene just to bring a repeat it. Sometimes repetition is good. In that courtroom scene, we have the the accuser who would be the the, the prosecutor, right? And the prosecutor, and, and in this world, we call we call the, the accuser of the brethren that great, the one that we call the devil. I just like to call him the old slew foot um, spirit who stands antithetical to God. So let's say he would be that accuser, right? And then in the courtroom, not only do you have an accuser, but you have the, the defendant, which would be us. It would be us, you and I. And, and, and as the defendants, we have an advocate. And that advocate for us in the Christian faith is Jesus, none other than Jesus. God is the judge. And and as you so eloquently said, God looks down from the bench and sees his son who who's through his atoning sacrifice. We are now made right with God. We are justified. So justification is then a judicial act of God. Right. Where. Yeah. Um, Uh, Let's say so that um, justification is the judicial act of God by which an individual is brought into an unmerited right relation, right relationship with God. I didn't deserve it. I didn't buy it. I didn't negotiate it. It is the gift of God. So our difficulty and young people's difficulties is accepting the fact that God will actually forgive me. Um, and, And there's more. There's more to justification. I mean. Justification is uh, involves the the is trinitarian as they say because it it is God who justifies it's not us you know the this is seen in the father handing over the son to the cross and raising him up for our justification right justification only transpires in the sphere of union with Christ and the only one who can condemn believers 
is at this very moment interceding for them before the Father. That would be Jesus the Christ. So the Holy Spirit activates this justification by creating and supplying us with the faith uh, that 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 we need in order to um, be led to accept this this um, act, this of atonement. So so Daquan, we talked about justification. How about this word atonement? Okay. I'd be glad to explain that for all of you. Um, let's do a little go back. Let's do a little history drop back all the way back to the time of the Old Testament. During the days of Moses and during the days of the Kings and the Chronicles, anytime when a person would sin, they would have to bring their lamb, their goat, their sheep, a turtle dug or a cow, the best from their flock of fields. They would take it to the priest either at the tabernacle or at the temple. They would lay their hand on the head of the animal and confess whatever sin they had to confess. In other words, they're saying, guilty, I did it. I was caught red-handed. And what the priest would do is they would take the animal, shed the blood into the basin, into the bronze laver, and then they would sprinkle the blood of the animal upon the brazen altar where the sacrifice would take place, and then on the people. In other words, the blood of the animals did not take away sin and only covered their sin temporarily. In other words, it means to make amends, to pay for, so to speak. But imagine this, year after year after year, they had to constantly, each and every single day, offer up sacrifice off after sacrifice. But when you get into the pages of the New Testament, You'll discover, for example, like in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the concept of Christ being sacrificed once and for all and for all time. You see, the sacrifices of the Old Testament painted a greater picture of a greater sacrifice in what was to come in the near future. Amen, amen, amen. So so when, when we talk about justification and atonement, the word... Um, Atonement, you know, I've, I've heard it um, try to people make it simple to understand as breaking it down as at one meant, um, meaning that you are now at one in right relationship with God. It's the, it's the it includes the um, pardon of sin and where God forgives our sins and we are pardoned from the penal consequences of sin, from the wrath of God, right? So yeah. when we look at when we look at justification and, and this atonement. Um, you know, what I, I believe now, Daquan, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I personally believe that justification is, in fact, in, in the role in the life of the Christian, that it's eschatological in the sense that it is the verdict of the final judgment is declared in the present. Um, the, the verdict is one of acquittal and is assured by the continuing work of God, the Father, Jesus, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now. There are some folks who want to argue about whether or not you can lose your salvation. The question really for me, the question is whether you were ever really saved in the first place. So um, we are we, we so far we, we've we've accepted the fact throughout through our conversation. We're, we're saying that humanity is, is sinful, um, that uh, by voluntary transgressions, they fell from a. A holy and happy state and in, in which the consequences of which all mankind are now sinners by choice. And, and the thing is that now the good news is that we have a God 
the one and only God who who is is inviting us to receive this gift of pardoning, to receive this gift of being justified before God. As Daquan said, our sin is just as though it never happened, right? And this all comes by the grace of God, which is the gift, God's gracious gift. And, and as Daquan mentioned earlier, some people have a hard time wondering how could God forgive the sinner. And I, quite frankly, I tell you, it's, it's beyond human intellectual capability to really um, uh, um, to, to accept the fact that God will do that. Now, but you know, the prophet Micah in, in Micah 7:19, it says, speaking of God, it says, you will, you will again have compassion on us and you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Um, yes. This just, this justification wasn't a, a or obtainable under the law of Moses. This came through Christ and Christ alone. Yes, I agree with you, uh, my dear brother. And speaking about that, um, I came across this scripture in Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, which says this. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God in regards to justification. In other words, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we made him the Lord and Savior and master of our lives, in exchange, a trade took place in which we traded our sins to him. And in return, he has forgiven us and he has made us right with God. As the scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And also as well, there is nothing we can do to earn this. Only through Christ can we be made right in God's eyes. And what an incredible trait that is for every single one of us. But sadly, many people still choose to pass up this gift to continue enjoying their sin. And also too, my dear brother, and the concept of it is that you see so many in the modern day churches, even among believers, they're trying to do so many good deeds, so much to try to earn themselves brownie points, as they call them with God, trying to earn themselves gold stickers or a gold star. But many times you see people go to church so much or Bible study, pray in the spirit, read their Bibles, uh, uh, community service and so much more. All of those things are wrong. I'm not judging or criticizing anyone saying um, that none of those things are good before God. Yes, it is important that you go to church. It's important that you read your Bible. It's important that you pray. It's important that you get involved and serve actively within your church, within the body of Christ. But all of those things is not going to guarantee you uh, salvation. That's not going to give you a big score with God. What will happen is that if you put your faith and trust in the work and what he did for us on the cross, everything will be made perfect in your heart and life. Everything in your heart and life will be a smooth sailing, so to speak. When you put your faith and trust in the work and the atoning work of Christ, that's how you can be free. That's how you can experience the forgiveness of God and also experience the love, the satisfaction, the justification that he has in store for every single person. Amen. You know, this reminds me of a story, of, of, of a practice, I should say, that, that happens around um, Good Friday, in, especially in the Philippines. 
and and I don't mean to 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 offend anybody, but I noticed that um, there are groups of people who who do acts of um, of against their own body to try to tame it, as they say. And one of these things that is done, and they 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 think that this is going to get some points with God or draw you closer to God, is people get nailed to the cross. And, yes. and I, I have a problem. I have a big problem with that because what this actually means for me. And Daquan, you can, I don't think you will, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But what this means to me is that whoever does that, and I'm just using this type of act as an example, doesn't think that what God did at the cross is enough and that they have to add something to it by getting nailed to a cross. And what happens is, you know, one man, they, some people die. Um, they do it every year, and some people get up there, they get nailed to a cross, they take them down, some people will die. Um, one, They interviewed one man who was up there on the cross, and when he came down, they, they said, why are you doing this? And, and he said, well, when I'm up there, I feel close to God. And, you know, I, I say, well, you know, you were losing blood. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and you might feel a little weak and dizzy. But it's not these type of things that gain us um, good points with God. Those are those are works that we try to do, religious works, just like um, Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve, where they tried to cover themselves with the leaves. They tried to cover up their their nakedness with with um, fig leaves, as they say. So um, you know, and I've heard it said that that was man's first attempt at religion, covering up their own mess, right? So in the same way. Um, the, this, these acts that we try to do to um, prove our righteousness or gain our, our righteousness with God are, are, are a waste of time because it only comes through through Christ. And the good news is, is Daquan left off at, he was in chapter four, and right after that, it, you know, he said um, um, he was delivered over to death for our sin and raised to life for our justification. That was the end of chapter four. And r- chapter five comes with the good news, which says that therefore, since this is the outcome of all of this for humanity, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and again, we say justified is, is that your sin, God sees your sin just as though it never happened. We have what? We have peace, peace. with God. And peace yeah. is not just the absence of Violence, but peace is represents wholeness that we are um, um, we are in right standing, and it brings wholeness into our lives. And then at the end of that fifth chapter, in verse ten, it says, um, "For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life?" So that's another word that comes up in this Pauline language: is reconciliation. And, and Daquan, can you help us with that one? Yes, sir. Um, when you f- first mentioned in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it talks about how we are at peace with God. In other words, while we were still sinners, we were enemies of God. We were at war. We were at enmity with God. But when he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, in which the cross is the bridge that bridged the gap between God and man. You see, in the beginning of time, God created the world and everything that he made, according to scripture, is indeed good. But when you read in Genesis chapter three, you'll discover when sin came into the world, when man and woman violated God's edict, his commandments, his statutes, 
that's when sin came into the world and as a result one of the challenges is that man felt separated from god and that's why you constantly see throughout the old testament all these sacrifices all of the blood that was shed in order to approach god and also to approach his throne as a way to get closer to god even for a perfect example when you look at the tabernacle there was the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant was where the glory of god resided nobody couldn't go there except only the priest in the same way for in the temple but when you see at the new testament when jesus died on the cross and the scripture says that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom it represented the fact that man has now direct access to god man has direct access into the presence of god and when christ died for our sins we realized he didn't die for us not because we were good enough but just because he loved us and also to every single person that's listening to us always remember when you feel uncertain about god's love for you remember that he loved you even before you turned to him and the greatest thing about the concept of romans 5 is that we are now at peace with god which may differ from peaceful feelings such as calmness and tranquility of mind you see peace with god means that we have been reconciled with him there's no more hostility between us there is no sin blocking our relationship with him you see the peace with god is possible only because jesus paid the price for our sins through his death on the cross why do you think paul would use that imagery later in the book of ephesians in which he says for christ himself is our peace and he's broken down the middle wall of separation between god and man and in first timothy 2 5 he says that he is the mediator between god and man in which he is that bridge in which man can walk across to get to the presence of god and that's why you hear so many people say there are many roads there are many paths there are many discoveries to god no there's only one path, one plan, one road to salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. So so when we use the word reconciliation, when we use the word reconciliation, what we are saying is there was once a, a, a dividing, a, a barrier between us and God, and that barrier was sin. But now there's, there's a discrepancy between humanity and divinity and that discrepancy is caused by sin and jesus but out of god's goodness out of his faithfulness because of who he is he decided to provide the remedy for our sin sickness right and that mm -hmm. remedy comes through his son and as daquan said I'm, I'm this is the only way i know some people say well is there is jesus the, really the only way well let me just say this is the only way i know okay so maybe you know of something else <laughs> i don't but this is this is what i know so i'm trying to share share it with you both daquan and myself so you know um we have been justified um now there's a thing here here's a here's a question now just because you um let's say you know one of the practices that we do is you you come into the church you you accept jesus christ as your lord and savior you get baptized but i got news for you um you don't go down in the water as the uh, most vile sinner in the world and come out um with your life you know like living your life like mother Teresa. as a matter of fact it takes time for you to become more, to partake of the holiness of God and, and have your life transformed, not only on the inside, but on the outside. So this process, 
is what we would call um, sanctification. And, and so it's just, it's a lifelong process that all of us are continuing on to, to live a life that's pleasing to God, right? But the good news again is that we are pardoned for our sin. And now we're just trying to act like we are who we're supposed to act like. We're supposed to be, as, as, um, as um, uh, chapter 6 says, shall we go on sinning? And it, the Bible says, by no means. We are supposed to be dead to sin and alive in Christ. And that becomes a, a, um, a process that we must engage. Doesn't happen all at once. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in Romans um, 6, down in verse 11, it says, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires and do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. So our lives should change. For those who who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are now been justified um, by faith and their their sins are cast into the sea of forgetfulness. You should there should be a desire that that um, wells up within you to live your life in a way that's pleasing to God. That's correct. And it's okay if I share a couple things on that, my dear brother. Come on with it. Alrighty. Um, when you were reading that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, the breakdown for it is that when Paul says, consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, what he was saying is we should regard our old sinful nature as dead and unresponsive to sin. Mm-hmm. Because of our union and identification with Christ, we no longer want to pursue our old plans, desires, and goals. Now we want to live for the glory of God. As we start this new life, the Holy Spirit will help us become all that Christ wants us to be. And also in verse 12, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live and do not give in to sinful desires. So, Many people have asked the question, how do we keep this command to not let sin control the way we live, to not give in to its desires? Well, there are several ways. Number one, we identify our personal weaknesses. Number two, we must recognize the things that tempt us. The third thing is that we must stay away from sources of temptation, practice self-restraint, consciously invest our time in good habits and service, and lean on the strength of God and on the grace of God. And an interesting thing you brought up, my dear brother, is that in Romans six fourteen it says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of grace. And in fact, one of the dispensations that we are living in right now is the dispensation of grace. You see, the dispensation of grace began at the first coming of Christ and during the time of the early church. And in fact, we have been living in the dispensation of grace for almost 2,000 years. Now, what is grace? You see, grace is unmerited favor, the goodness of God in which we didn't earn it, we didn't obtain it, but we have been given it to us by God on the basis of faith. Now, many times people would try to say, oh, grace is the perfect license to sin. You see, grace doesn't give you the license to sin. 
Grace was given to us by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life of holiness. And many believe that since God gave us grace, they could live however they want. But we have to remember, grace never encourages a sinful lifestyle, but instead, grace of God keeps us and we experience it through the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words, God has dealt with each and every single one of us on the basis of faith. And since from the time of Adam up till now, the church age, God has always dealt on the basis of grace. And there is no limit to the amount of his grace. And, and you know, I, I really I really like that. And you say you so a question becomes um, I'm, go, I'm going back here um, in the third chapter. I was just looking through the Bible and. And, and the question becomes, well, why would God do this? Why would God forgive the sinner? Why would God um, uh, put give us his, his grace towards us? And the, in Romans 3, it says, He did this to demonstrate his justice. He did it to demonstrate, to demonstrate his justice at the present time. Um, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So it is the gift of God. It is the grace of God. Again, we, we're repeating this word and this concept because that's what it is. It's, again, we don't earn our salvation. Our salvation is actually a rescue. It's a rescuing act of God where God saves us from our own sinful desires and, 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 and our um walking away from God and rejecting God. So, um, you know, in this world that we live in, um, there, you know, I, I keep saying this, that there are some folks, and we talked a little bit this about this last week, and I don't want to get into the gory details, but <clears throat> there are some folks who bring up that raise the issue of self, um, same-sex marriage and abortion as though those two items are the mm-hmm. moral, moral barometer of the country. But let me, just, let me just say this. There's a whole long list <laughs> of sin. And those are, those are, those are, those can be, you can throw that in as two that, that stick out, you know, but those are not the only two. What about greed? What about exploitation? You know, so there, there's a lot of sin and we shouldn't be, um, um, let our thoughts be hijacked into thinking that there are only two sins that are, that are, need our attention. So I don't want to stay on that too, too, too long. But the good news, again, is that God, through his son, Jesus, um, through his, by his gracious acts of mercy and compassion, gave his only begotten son. The Bible says that, you know, he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes shall, shall, um, live and, and not perish but live and, and it says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world but that um, he came so that we would have life right right amen amen and and you know when you say you know people think that we can um, that grace is a license to sin no that's that that some people think that I agree with that and there was a big movement who who I think that was called um I think that was called antinomialism. I'm not sure that that's just another big word. But um, the thing is, here's another bit of good news, though. In the eighth chapter, it says that, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law 
of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Okay? So God did all of this by sending his own son to be a sin offering for us. Yes. And that's that's good news for me. So I couldn't earn my way out of my sin. I couldn't earn it. There's nothing I could do. That's correct. And, 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 another- and it, when we say there's nothing I could do, there is when it says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. <clears throat> yes. Do I still make mistakes? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't stand condemned by God because God sees me through this atoning act of Jesus Christ, through the the, the act there is the propitiation for our sin and the and Jesus was the one who satisfied God's justice for for the um, punishment of sin Jesus paid that price and that's what redemption is you know um, Daquan I'm gonna tell a fast uh, illustration when I when I was a kid you know we used to play with cans in the street um, you know we used to put them on our sneakers step on them and drag them around the streets and make a lot of noise in the streets and and no matter how bad this can got messed up, there was a little stamp on the can that said um, redeemable, redeemable for I forget whether it was three cents or five cents. I forget. Um, and but here's the thing that can you could always take it down to the redemption center. Right. No matter how badly it was beat up and you somebody was there in that redemption center that was willing to pay the price for ownership of this beat up can. And and so what am I saying? I, I'm saying that life beat me up, sin beat me up, but I gave my life over to God, went down to the redemption center, which I saw as being the church. And there I found out that Jesus was willing and had already paid the price for my sin. So now when that happened, I was redeemed I was the price was paid. I was brought from life to death. And now I became uh, I, I, I was brought from death to life. <clears throat> and now I became uh, my life became in the hands of a new owner, which is right. God Almighty. Amen. Amen. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And another thing, too, um, my dear brother, the biggest problem uh, in the world today, especially among our youth and young adults, is um, you see so many of them leaving the church. Mm-hmm. Um, many times they leave because of theological issues, secular issues, uh, decisions that pastors and staff make that they may not agree with. And another issue is the lack of leadership. And many times they even question themselves, who's welcome in God's house? Uh, is it just for the Christians or just for the unbelievers? And I want to remind each and every single one of you is that God is the God of restoration. God is the God of forgiveness. He is the God of love. He is the God of mercy. And if God can't forgive Paul the apostle and change his heart in life, if God can forgive even Matthew who was looked down upon in his community as a filthy tax collector and a sinner what makes you think that god can't forgive you absolutely and and not only can he but he will and he does we just need to um look towards the cross look to the cross for for our uh our rescue and our um our salvation, as they say, God, you know, one in one of the prophetic books, Joel, in the second chapter, he says, 
I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. So there were things in our life that kept us, you know, separated from God, and we perhaps even wasted a long time. You might be out there listening, saying, well, listen, I'm, I'm 65 years old, and I've been sinning all my life. How can God save me now? But God says through the prophet that I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten away. In other words, all those years that we spent chasing after sin and, and the pleasures that this world has to offer. And once we accept Christ, we renew our mind. Our hearts are regenerated. Our spirits are regenerated and we move from death to life. And now God, God again, we see that God is in the restoration um, business. Um, Daquan, you did use that word, didn't you? Yes, sir. Amen. God restores the brokenhearted. Yes. But many times, too, um, Brother uh, Jay, you see that attitude within the church world. You have the people who think they are holier than thou kind of attitude. When you see someone coming into the church and they answer the altar call after hearing a sermon or feel that convicting stirring within their hearts by the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want to receive this Jesus into my life. I want to experience that eternal life. And when you see them go up there to get um, saved and also experience the love of God. You have many of those maybe in the church um, may talk down on them or whisper stuff like, how can God forgive this person? How can he get accepted into the family of God and so forth? Instead of walking alongside and holding their hand, letting them know we're going to walk on this journey together. You have those within the church just talking down on them, trying to beat them up, trying to make them feel worse and feel guilty and so much more. You see, the scripture tells us that we are to warn the unruly comfort the feeble-minded support the weak and be patient with all men if you're going to be effective in any type of ministry you're going to have to love everybody remember the body of christ the church is made up of sinners who have been saved and changed and redeemed by the grace of god and by the spirit of god um, you have people who are not on the level that you may be at, but they're in different various process stages. And if they're making good progress, then we are to walk alongside with them and to encourage them as well and build them up in their faith. Don't you agree with me, my brother? Amen. So people don't walk through the church door and become churched, as they say. Um, the, the, again, that brings us back to this this um, this idea of sanctification which is a process and and you know all of us need to be saved from something which is sin and and if you claim if there's a person that that claims that they didn't have no sin well then perhaps you you're not saved right? <laughs> or you can't you you're that's beyond you because so far because you haven't looked at your own sinfulness but here's the good news um i think that for young people who are in church and finding that they're being condemned by the leadership uh, they need to think of the scripture that we shared which was now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and hopefully um now this is something that you have to to um make your own decision but sometimes um if a church if you're finding it to be too toxic then maybe it is time for you to leave that place um and go somewhere where there is um uh receptive receptiveness in the love of god and pro and sound doctrine being taught you know um 
It's it's very easy to get caught up in in the music and the worship and the praise and that side might satisfy your soul, but you need to be taught the right things. And and um, so if you're if you're in a church and you feel as though that there's a spirit of condemnation there against people holier than thou, maybe you need to leave, or maybe you need to just concentrate on you bringing your gifts to the church and making it a better place. Amen. I agree. Mm-hmm. I totally think agree. definitely a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. That I think that the the church world today is is standing in so, with in competition, as they say, with so many yes. so many pullings um, that pull young people away from God. That we really have to um, let our love overshadow the um, the pullings of evil or the pullings of or those pullings that pull young folks away from God. We really need to let our love overshadow that and overpower that so that that, that um uh listen I, I can't look in the eyes of anybody and condemn them to hell because it's not my role okay i i need to stay in my lane and just be the love of god in action and and let god do the work amen amen and amen amen so so um the 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 idea is that God sets us free from the power of sin. But now here's the thing. If, you know, we, we have habits and, and, and vices and we, we've, now we, we've come to the Lord and we say, oh, God saved me and I'm saved, hallelujah. And, but guess what? We also believe that the, the Holy Spirit lives within you. So if, the, here's the question. If the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit lives in you, the same Holy Spirit that, you know, um, raised Jesus from the dead, right? God's power. Um, Can you stand against sin and not continue to sin? And the question is, yes, of course. God empowers us. He liberates us with the ability to, to no longer allow sin to be our master. So if you were robbing out there, robbing banks, Guess what? The power of the Holy Spirit in you will set you free from that. Amen. Mm-hmm. We can lend ourselves to to um, service, serving others, just like Paul introduced himself. He was we are reminded of the story of Paul. He was one who killed Christians. He was one who stood present at the stoning of Stephen and and applauded. You know and. And now this person is here introducing himself as a servant of God, an apostle set aside for bringing the, the gospel to not only to the Jew, but furthering the deliverance of the gospel to the Gentile um, or to a Gentile audience, which were non, non-Jewish people. So God transforms people's lives in amazing ways. And we just need to yield ourselves to, to that um, that transformation, that transformative of process. That's what we need to do. Yes, sir. I totally agree with you on that. So so then, Daquan, um, I guess we can just um, probably wrap this up. But I guess what do you think are some of the um, the uh, the um, prominent themes that jump out in this book of Romans? Well, many prominent themes, such as the concept of we looked at today at the emphasis of righteousness in which it means to be in right standing with God. Like I made mention earlier, the story of Abraham, 
Um, you have that in Genesis 15, in which Abraham has been living in the land of Canaan for about 10 to 11 years. He still doesn't have a child. And he's like, God, do you want me to adopt my servant Eleazar? And God's like, no, your seed will come from your own body. And the scripture says that Abraham believed God and God accredited or accounted it to him as righteousness in other words we didn't obtain righteousness because of our good works we obtain righteousness because we put our faith and trust in jesus christ we also looked at the emphasis of sanctification in which becoming more and more like jesus christ through the working and power of the holy spirit we've also examined the concept of justification in which God's act of declaring us not guilty for our sins, making us right with him. The emphasis of propitiation, in which the removal of God's punishment for sin through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The emphasis of redemption, in which Jesus Christ paid the price so that we can go free. The price of sin is death. Jesus paid the price. That's why he would cry out on the cross, it's is finished in other words jesus paid a debt that we didn't owe and for a price that we didn't have to pay another important theme that we'll see throughout the book of romans is the emphasis of the election in which god's choice of an individual or group for a specific purpose or destiny and then lastly glorification in which the ultimate state of the believer after death when he or she becomes like christ as first john 3 2 says when we will see him we will be like him for we shall see him as he is glory be to god amen so you know and towards the towards the end of the book he begins to give some really practical um advice let's say or teaching he says about love he says love must be sincere now some of these things are counterintuitive to our intellect like Well, he says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, here's the difficult part for some folk. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, listen, I, this is this is a, a we're living in a time where harmony with each other is almost, um, you know, uh, not the dominant narrative. Let's put it that way. Right. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil and be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody live at peace with everyone do not take revenge my friends but but um uh revenge you know vengeance belongs to the lord then it gets to this if your enemy is hungry feed him if he's thirsty give him something to drink and in doing this you will heat burning coals on his head do not overcome uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So um, I think that's a pretty, pretty much a, a decent place to um, to to stop and and wrap this up. And um, Daquan, I want to thank you for coming on again. We're doing this for the for the benefit of the the person who's never read this, who've made who's drawn conclusions about God. 
who has, um, without even reading the biblical text, maybe you, you, you based your judgments about God and, and the church based on what you've seen people do and what people have told you. And, and maybe nobody ever told you that God sent his son so that we would be justified just as though our sin never happened so that we would be reconciled that this bridge of, of um, the, the discrepancy, the, the, the barrier between us and God is now broken down through Jesus Christ. Maybe nobody told you that. Um, so now we're telling you that and we encourage you to come on and, and read this book for yourself. Don't just draw all your conclusions based on what you see people do, the preachers that you see on television. Check it for yourself so that you can come to know and allow God to speak to you through this word that we've been given. All right. So, Daquan, you have any closing thoughts or a prayer or something for people? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, yes, I do. Just going to do a quick prayer. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this wonderful time of Bible study as we dive deep into your word, because your word is described as the inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. So, Lord, we pray for every single heart, every single mind. Lord, we are so grateful for what you did for us on the cross. We thank you for your blood that cleanses, that reconciles, that redeems, that sanctifies, that brings us back into the presence of God and that it protects us. Lord, we are so grateful for the gift of sanctification. We are so grateful for the gift of salvation. We are so grateful for the gift of justification. We are so grateful for the gift of propitiation and glorification and the gift of election. We are so grateful for your grace. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have revealed yourself to every single person. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make the word of God jump out alive to every single one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you have set us apart to do what you have called us to do. Thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed us. Thank you that we will walk in your counsel and in your light. And thank you, Lord, that we live on this earth for a purpose, to redeem, to reflect, and to honor and glorify and praise your name and to understand that you are the meaning and purpose to life. We thank you. We pray and we honor your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, amen. And Daquan, before you jump ship here, I want you to tell people where they can find you on YouTube and, and anywhere else, TikTok and so forth. Yes. And I am. Yes, sir. So for those who have been listening today, we hope and pray that the lesson has been a blessing to your heart and life. And for those who are following me here on The Wisdom, um, my profile page is Next Generation 412. And right there on the profile page is the YouTube channel, which is Taquan McKnight. And then my TikTok name is Taquan McKnight 25 as well. And also as well, I encourage every single one of you to follow and subscribe. And remember, you're not subscribing to me, but you're subscribing to the one who has sent me, which is Jesus Christ, who has enabled me to spread his gospel. And if you love Jesus Christ, show him your love by subscribing and clicking on the subscribe button on YouTube and also the follow button right there on TikTok as well. Amen. Daquan, thanks for coming. And you know, um, 
I, I recommend that you subscribe to his channel and, and my website. Um, follow me on www.reverendjstuartglover.com. You can hear these uh, broadcasts over again. I put them up on YouTube with some music behind it. I want to thank people from around the world, who, especially in Dublin, Ireland, who have been in the Philippines, in Singapore, uh, who have been listening into these conversations. Um, it means something to somebody, and that's why we do what we do. Uh, once again, thank you for being part of this listening community. This is you're listening to Faith Talk, and we shall be back next Sunday at the, around the same time, four o'clock. And God bless you, and I will see you next time. Thanks for coming, Daquan. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I love you, and I'll be praying God. for you, man. Thanks so much. Likewise, God bless you. God bless you, brother. Thank you for listening to Faith Talk and being part of this discussion. I hope you've enjoyed our talk. The opinions and theology articulated by my guests are not always reflective of my personal opinions or theological views. As always, these discussions are open for your criticism. We welcome your feedback. So please visit the website, www.reverendjstuartglover.com where you can leave comments on these episodes. You can sign up as a guest on the show. You can leave me a voicemail and contact me directly by email. Again, I'd like to just take a moment to thank our listeners around the world and here in the United States as well for being part of our listening community. My prayer is that somehow by God's grace we are led to the appropriate response in answer to the good news as found in the scriptures. I'll be back next Sunday to further explore our introduction to biblical thought. God bless you and we shall meet again.